0: Chapter Twenty Two of Curley by Roger Pocock. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Matt Chapter Twenty Two, Robbery Under Arms. In those days of our little unpleasantness in Arizona, there was another discussion proceeding along in South Africa. The Boers had their tail up, and the British Army was indulging itself in regrettable incidents about once a week. Which I allude to here because the word regrettable incident is good. It's soothing, and it illustrates exactly what it happened on the night when I delivered Curly, damaged, but cheerful, among my cousins, the Mrs. Jameson. Just to the east of the home, inhabited by these ladies, occurs the Jim Crow mine, the same being the very place where the robbers once had breakfast with old man Ryan, making him pay the bill, as aforesaid. said which was $75,000 and annoying. On this further occasion, which I now unfold, there were only four men working the Jim Crow claim. It seems they were in the bunkhouse playing poker until 11 p.m., when their foreman uprose with regrets to surrender his hat, boots, and pants to an avaricious person holding three aces and a pair of jacks. The four men's warm communications on the subject of cheating were then cut off short by a masked robber standing in the doorway with guns. This robber proposed that all gentlemen present should throw up their hands and allowed they had a fervent invitation to die, unless they stepped out pretty soon to the head of the Jim Crow shaft. Accordingly, the sad procession trailed away to the shaft and one by one the mourners went down in a bucket to a total depth of one hundred and four feet then the robber hauled up the bucket to keep them from straying out and promised faithful that if he heard any noise he would just drop in a few sticks of dynamite there was not much noise meanwhile other earnest young robbers were collecting every citizen who passed the mine and inviting him to join their surprise party down at the foot of the shaft the citizens all accepted and when some candles a deck of cards and a few bottles of nose paint were sent to assist the levy underground began to get quite a success mixed in with these proceedings and other hold-ups various and swift was the chinese cook with a robber holding his tail while he fixed supper for twenty-five men afterwards he likewise was handed down the shaft i should also mention a preacher in a black suit and a white tie up under his ear projecting around among the store shed for cases of dynamite at twelve-thirty a bunch of cowboys numbering eighteen head with a caviard of ponies trailed in off the range after each man had roped and saddled a fresh horse and fed corn to the same the reverend pastor put out a relief of sentries, and told the crowd to line up in the rampaster for supper. Naturally, these people had to get the provisions off their minds before there was any talk, but then the preacher reared up to address the meeting. Brethren, says he, look a here, the new Segundo, Black Stanley, started in obstreperous, backed by a dozen men, all see i represents this outfit in startin to buck right now turn yo'self loose we all has come to an understanding that we ain't a-goin to fool around here any more these is mean pastures and we breaks for home that's what's the matter a lot of robbers began to come to a crisis mr stanley sup says mccallum you are a judge of rye whiskey and a natural bond leader of men the boys began to laugh. Now, says mccalmont all ye boys who yearns to get quit of me, and have this judge of rye and natural born leader of men to be their chief, will arise and join his herd. Your hosses are at the door. So trail your spurs along the floor and go. Not a man moved. You, Black Stanley, take yourself and your followers, and get absent quick from this camp cause the rest of us has business stanley getting to feel a whole lot lonesome just dropped his tail and submitted chief says he i take it all back i made you my segundo stanley and you've proved yourself mighty sudden i reduce you to the ranks you bowlegs act as second in command and now the business first. I want to instill into your dim and clouded intellects that when a member of the gang is captured, he has to be rescued. The captured man was my son, and seventeen skunks of you hung fire when I asked for his rescue. These seventeen said skunks is fined half their shares of plunder in the next raid, The same to be paid to those who do most work. Second, the man who rescued my son is Jim Duchesney here the captain laid his hand upon jim's shoulder he is my guess and as he's not a member of this ordinary loaf lung herd you don't want to tell him orders or oppress him or stuff his head with any of your dreams i've a mind to muzzle a few pet liars right now the special liars i see grinning is the ones i allude to particular now you all is a mighty sight wide of being perfect thieves you has weaknesses, some for bad liquor, some for small mean thefts. Most of you showing yourselves off if you was buck devils, which you surely ain't. Tonight I propose you fast from such like vanities and attend strictly to business. Moreover, as some of you ain't got no more sense than a poached cat, I now explains this warpath, lest you get wandering around after the wrong scalp the object of this virtuous night is to steal a millionaire which goes by the name of michael ryan and holds up in a palace car on the railroad sidings. if you get him in reasonable preservation we realize lots of wealth for his ransom but any blamed fool who spoils him with loose ammunition is robbing his partners of their lawful dues and so having tamed his wolves. McCalmont gave the orders for the night. Right here, a bubble over with remarks on the art of being a villain. Now, this Captain McCalmont wasn't a good man, exactly. It being his humble vocation to steal everything in sight and shoot any party who happened to get in the way. He was a sure enough scoundrel, and yet Curly just loved him frantic. Jim trusted him body and soul. I was mighty proud of having his friendship. All his roles were tame as little children when he led them. Every cowboy on the range would have shared his last drop of water with old McCalmont, and even the victims he robbed would speak of him mostly as a perfect gentleman. When he laid a trap, that same deadfall looked a whole lot attractive and comforting. Excuse me, says McCalmont, springing the steel jaws on his victim. I hope you're not feeling hurt. Now, if McCalmick had looked like one of them villains I see at the theater, scowling, threatening lurid, mean-eyed, scare heads, he wouldn't have seen the victim's tail for dust. No, he wasn't like a villain; he was like a man, a white man at that, and when he gave a show, it was worth any man's money to see. Just watch his play. Grave City was a plenty big city to attack. It could turn out three hundred riders anyway and that mighty sudden too in case of robbers mccalmont had to attack with twenty-four outlaws and get them away without any holes through their hides along towards one in the morning the stableman at ryan's livery met with an accident being clubbed then a couple of men walked round the stalls loosed all the horses and drove the whole outfit away through the back gate the same proceedings occurred at the spur livery and in all the large stables until two hundred head of good stock were gathered and run off to the northward in main street hitched to the snubbin posts stood a score of saddled horses awaiting patient to take their drunkards home these poor creatures were cared for tender by a young man who went along casual feeding them a bunch of dry herbs the same being loco and a heap's powerful medicine now we turn to the railroad station where the main game was being played at one a m the night operator in the depot remembered all of a sudden that the lady clerk miss brumble at contention had wired him to send on a parcel of stockings by number four the night freight train was pulling out at that time so he ran across the platform and pitched the parcel into the caboose as the cars went rolling past him. This Brumble's socks, says he. All correct, says the conductor, and the train went rumbling off into the desert. Then the night operator, which his name was Bowles, turned round to point back for his office and suddenly trod on a preacher. Pardon me, says the reverend stranger. Oh, don't mention it, says the clerk, some sarcastic. "'Excuse me, sir. May I venture to... "'Well, what's the matter with you?' "'My poor lost brother. "'I am wishful to be informed of Mr. Michael Ryan. "'He's in his car. I'm busy. "'Oh, but my dear young friend, "'these profane cowboys are using such fearful language "'because Mr. Ryan refuses to see them, "'being gone to bed.' "'The operator turned on his heel "'and turned off, growling. You see, the preacher wailed after him, they've got a robber. The operator began to nibble the bait. Robber? He swung round suddenly. What robber? The erring young person is called James Duchesny. they got him? Great snakes. Yes, in bondage. They want to be rewarded with earthly dross instead of seeking for the blessings and comfort. Which alone? And Ryan won't come out? i think sir, that mr ryan is timid because of the shocking profanity of these misguided men breaking his windows too let me admonish you my brother to eschew the company of all i'll fix him says the operator and charged along down the platform with the preacher suffering after him that night operator mr mose Bowles, surging along the platform to ryan's car would have bet his last dollar that the facts were true he saw three sure-enough cowboys sitting their horses easy in front of the private car and the preacher was plumb correct about the way they talked bowles saw the prisoner bound hand and foot on a lead horse and that was jim beyond all doubt looking plenty discouraged bowles knew that Ran had offered rewards most bounteous for jim's body he hungered for a portion of the plunder and when he swung himself up the platform on the end of the car, his batterings on the door was full of enthusiasm. I feel, says the preacher, that you're spoiling the paint. Take thought, my friend, how expensive is paint like that? The cowboys were backing their horses away beyond range of the car lamps, out of sight. Mr. Ryan, Bold shouted, urgent telegram, come out. A nigger porter slid open a inch of the door. "'You go way,' says he. "'Mass Ryan, he plumb distractful, "'Go way.' "'Let me in, you fool!' Balls wrenched the door wide open and jumped into the car. Then there were mutterings and voices the lighting up of the far end of the pullman, and after a while came a fat young man bustling out on the platform. He wore a fur coat, bare legs, and slippers. Cussing around, most peevish. Excuse me," says the preacher. "I am an unworthy minister, a particular Baptist, and I could not hear the fearful profanity of these rude men without shedding tears. May I escort you, sir, to see this prisoner? Bowles and the Negro stood on the car platform watching, while the preacher led Ryan off into Starlight. My heart quakes at the fear that these cowboys have gone away please stick this way and war stumbling on these sidings this way mr ryan this way the voice died away and bowles was putting out to follow when all of a sudden he and the negro were seized from behind gagged roped and generally detained off among the sidings mr ryan had a gag in his mouth a rope round his elbows then felt himself caught up into the starlight and thrown on a horse while his feet were hobbled under the animal's belly. In the station, a robber was playing tunes with an axe on the keys of the telegraph, and the wires were being lopped with a pair of shears. Speaking generally, a whole lot of silence was being procured, and from a robber point of view, things worked harmonious until the first bunch of riders went thundering away into the desert. As it happened, the city marshal and his deputy, Shorty Roach, straying into these premises to send off a telegram found the operator and the negro lying gagged and bound on the platform so when they heard the robbers loafing off they sized up the whole situation they were just too late to get robbers but plenty swift in turning out the town this news of a fresh outrage hit old grave city sudden surprising right in the middle of sleep time and the whole town swarmed out instant like a hornet's nest for war some of the people were full of sleep others were full of whiskey some had their war paint some had a blanket but all of them felt they were spat on all of them howled for vengeance for a whole week the town tribe and the range tribe had been at war and here was some idiot making a howl about robbers this was certainly another case of cowboys in town and a verdict was sudden to lynch the cowboy leader mr chalkeye davies it being some expedient first to catch this chalkeye these warriors began to make haste and get mounted for pursuit but from the first things seemed to go wrong For one after another the horses which had been standing in the street went jumping roaring crazy pulling back till their reins broke bucking off their saddles whirling around the town and stampeding away to the desert the people saw that loco weed had been prevailing over the plain sense of these animals then they found the stables an eakin solitude and the telegraph wrecked to prevent them calling for help and everything done thoughtful and considerate by felonious parties unknown who had stolen the only millionaire in arizona soon they remembered there had been a whole lot of unpleasantness between mr ryan and chalkeye thus the more they considered the more their noses went sideways of the truth smelling the poisonous iniquities of this chalkeye outlaw the town was left afoot and yet from private stables horses were raked up enough to mount a posse of thirty men by this time it was too late to chase but the marshal reckoned that with a shine of bicycle lamps he could track until daylight and keep on the robber's trail until he got more help he never ruminated on the thoughtful prophetic way in which these motions were foreseen just abreast of the jim crow mine the leading horse of that posse blew up with a loud bang and shorty brooch was projected into a prickly pear bush that is how he got his new pseudonym which is pincushion shorty to the present day on the whole that posse concluded to go home rather than face a pavement of live dynamite chapter twenty two